0: Welcome to Foolish Voices, a Company of Fools podcast. Company of Fools is a professional theater company based in Sun Valley, Idaho, and is a proud part of the Sun Valley Museum of Art. More information can be found online at svmoa.org. Welcome to Foolish Voices. I'm Scott Palmer, Producing Artistic Director of Company of Fools, and on this show we talk to a wide range of theater artists both here in Sun Valley and all across the world about how the current global health crisis is impacting their work, about their creative lives, and about their hopes for the future of our art form. Please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform or online at svmoa.org. And in this episode, I have the great pleasure of talking with the loveliest of all the fools, Russell Simone Wilson. Russell is an actor, a sound designer, and all-around multifaceted artist. She has appeared in Circle Mirror Transformation, Elemasonary, Distracted, and Almost Maine with Company of Fools, in Bernhardt Hamlet with Ali Rep, and in a number of roles for Holland's University. According to Russell, she is a 29-year-old mess. Her recent accomplishments include writing letters to the moon, calling her mother, and taking every piece of advice she's ever received from a yogi teabag. She's grateful every day to be an artist and for having a heart that wants to create. Welcome to Foolish Voices, lovely Russell. How are you?
1: I'm good.
0: How are you doing, Scott? I'm good. I'm finally feeling a little bit better. I think, um, I think you know you you probably heard that both Brian and I, my husband Brian and I got the got the virus a couple weeks ago and we've just now finally kind of come out of a a pretty mild series of symptoms. Um, So we are feeling much better. Are you healthy?
1: I am healthy. I am well. Um, Yep, I've been tending more to uh, my mental health more than anything, but physically I am a okay.
0: And where are you currently for our listeners who don't know where you might be based?
1: I'm in Boise. Boise, Idaho. Idaho. yeah.
0: Love that town. uh,
1: Late August. It's a cute little city.
0: It is a cute little city. So, and you've been doing, you've been doing some cool stuff. You you not only work at a grocery store, but you're also doing artistic work, right?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I was doing a little bit of theater when I uh, first got into town. And um, then I've really been kind of getting into the slam poetry scene here, which has been a blast. Um, Tell me.
0: Tell me all about that. You, in fact, you actually have done pretty well for yourself recently, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been really good. Um, so, yeah, was was going regularly, competing and uh, scoring pretty well, and um, I ended up winning the the Grand Slam, uh, for twenty twenty, and was going to be performing at a Story Fort, which was going to happen in March, has been pushed to September, um, so. Yeah, you know, wait, waiting on that one, but it's been it's been fun to to write and perform here. It's it's a lot different. I was living in Austin, um, Texas, for the past couple of years, and uh, it's it's nice to be in a smaller community and and create in a more sort of intimate way.
0: So, for people who don't know what slam poetry is, will you give us kind of the Fifty thousand foot view of what a slam poetry competition <laughs> is and why. What 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 did you have to do to win and all
1: that kind of stuff? It's um it's just performance poetry. Um, it's essentially it's a it's a lot like theater. Just take take a monologue and and that's what you're doing. Um, you go. It's uh usually three rounds. Um. And depending on where you are, it's about 10 to 14 poets. Uh, you have about three minutes and 10 seconds to perform a piece. Um, if you go over than that, you lose some points. And um, you get judges that are randomly chosen from the audience who sort of score your piece from zero to 10. Um, and then you progress as the rounds go on, depending on On how well you score. Um, And over the year, you accumulate points, um, essentially. So if you win second place uh, in a slam, you get, I believe, two points. Um, Third place, I believe you win three. And you just sort of start to accumulate. Each time you place, I guess, you accumulate more points. Um, And if you are in the top, whatever, uh, poets at the end of the year, um, you're invited to participate in some of the closed slams, so it's an invite only. Um, and you compete for uh, whatever that, that grand prize is, um, whether it's competing at a national slam, or in this case, it was competing uh, to perform here at uh, Treeport um, in Boise, and um, yeah.
0: So so, so you won it. You won you won it.
1: <laughs> <Fun>.
0: <laughs> and you won.
1: I did. You're so um, awesome. <laughs> I was really I was surprised. It was super fun. Um and there were a lot of really, really lovely poets who performed that night. So I, I feel really grateful. Um but it's such a interactive experience which i love so much the audience is encouraged to let you know exactly how they feel about your piece while you're performing and, and
0: what what format does that take do they boo do they applaud do they hiss
1: Has to be a pretty positive environment so uh, try and support whatever poet you know it's it's all about supporting the poet um so yeah it's a lot of clapping you might get some some snaps you might get uh some, some verbal cues. It's just nice. It's, um, it is direct energy that you're receiving from who you're performing for. Uh, it's kind of addicting. In that
0: <laughs> like theater in that way?
1: Exactly. It's exactly like that.
0: Yeah. So, but so Treefort, uh, they've, they pushed back the, uh, the sort of the poetry celebration until later in the year I'm I'm assuming that a lot of our colleagues in Boise in theater and poetry and dance and music they're all sort of currently also pushed all back until we figure out what's going on
1: I think it's pretty much what's going on all over the country in terms of of groups like that um a lot of shows had to close early um and it's yeah some are completely up in the air. I think some have set tentative dates that they'll try and and resume um work but yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting time. everything's sort of at a standstill right now
0: and are you finding that as a poet and as an artist? are you finding that challenging or is it feeding you in some interesting way
1: i think um as a the the part of me that, that is like a, an artist and, and creates has been doing fine. I've had, um, it's been a wonderful time to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've really been taking advantage of that. And it's it's such a strange time right now. It's, everything looks a little bit the same but everything feels so different. And it's, you know, it's strange. I'm, I'm taking a, a couple of days off from work right now, but I, my work routine is the same as it's always been. Um, I work at Trader Joe's, so I, I'm still working full time. So my, my brain has sort of gone into um, quarantine mode, but my, my daily routine looks more or less the same. So it's, it's been interesting to to write from that perspective.
0: That must be really stressful. Is that stressful?
1: Yeah, it is. I'm, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it is. Okay, good. I'm
1: really lucky that I work for a company that um, I feel really valued as a human being. Um, some of my my friends I know uh, work for employers who where they they don't quite feel that way. They don't quite feel taken care of. Um, and uh, like just recently, I, I was really stressed. I was I was really having a hard time going into work um, every day. It was it was stressing me out, and um, I was able to talk to one of my managers and um, about taking taking a week off. And all that was said was, "Whatever you need, we will take care of it. Um, just tell me what you need." And so yeah, I've been, I've been lucky in that way. That's
0: great. That's great. What is it, what is it bringing up for you in your writing? I mean, are you you finding yourself drawn to new themes? Are you commenting on our current circumstances? Are you trying to avoid discussions of the global (laughs) pandemic or?
1: I, I've definitely leaned into that a little bit more. It's funny. I'm, I'm not, um, Unaccustomed to anxiety. <laughs> but my anxiety has always been more insular and uh, more based around social anxiety. I, I I haven't ever really tended to go towards the more catastrophic um, anxiety, but but I have recently. Um, and so i I've wanted to to lean into that. I've also noticed for years my writing has been so self focused. and part of that is i I choose to to write, uh, performance poetry, which in inherently is, is very, um,
0: Sort of a little bit about you. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it is, it's, it's a very self-centered form. Um, and I really wanted to focus my work on a world that is bigger than me because this world is so much bigger than me. Um, and so I've, I've been trying to to focus that into my writing a little bit. Um, And it's been, it hasn't been too hard. (laughs) Really? When when you look at, yeah. um, When you're experiencing, we are all experiencing the same thing in a lot of ways. Uh, We're all going through something monumental together. Um, And so it, it's been easier to look outside of myself right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: am grateful for, um, it's, I'm not grateful for the circumstances, but I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, uh, <laughs> to remember that my world is, is so much bigger than me and, and what I go through in, personally, you know?
0: Yeah. That's great. I love that. That makes me, that makes me happy. I mean, obviously I'm not happy that we're all trapped in our houses and that you have to go to work. I bet none of that makes me happy, but, um, but I am, I mean, I think, I don't know if you're finding this, but you know, we, both of us work in a, in a fairly self-centered industry when it comes to theater, right? Like it's, it's so much about what we do and it's about the characters and it's about our personalities and our egos and all that kind of stuff. And I have been, really struck in the last few weeks about how many people are just checking in and how generous people are being and how and how much authentic concern people are sharing with each other Um, and in theater that can sometimes not necessarily we don't have a lot of time or energy to do that so there is something there's something uh, comforting um, about just that that innate human desire to kind of check in and and connected to each other in new new ways
1: yeah absolutely
0: what what has your work as an actor how is that um how has that impacted your approach to your writing i mean you're a very you are a very talented actor and you've got really great training and lots of great experience um so what how has that informed your life as a poet
1: um i think gosh there's it, it helps, um, I think. Acting has helped me find um, comfort and stillness in... I'm not uncomfortable uh, sharing um, work with, with others. And I think I, I'm innately very shy, um, a very awkward human being, um, and so I think without my my time as an actor, uh, I would have a lot of hurdles to jump over right. <laughs> in terms of sharing my work um, as a poet. Um, it's, it's I'm so grateful that I'm I feel very grounded. Um, when I go up to, to share whatever I've been working on. Um, it feels like a joy and a gift and not a fear, which is lovely. Um, and it's, you know, theater is, it's storytelling. It's, um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's sharing stories, and um, you, l- you learn how to, to open yourself up that way when you're on stage in whatever capacity, and I think that's sort of infiltrated into my writing and then in my performance of, of my writing.
0: Great. That that's good. I'm glad it's useful. <laughs> some you know, some people who are like, yeah, I did theater for a couple of years, didn't do anything for me. So I mean, at least you oh, got God. something out of it. I know, right? <laughs> you, I mean, you have a long, long history of connection to the theater, my friend. Don't you? Yeah. You, you come, you come from local uh, sort of theatrical royalty uh, in your family. Tell us uh, a little bit about. How you are connected to Company of Fools? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, well, my parents are, are both theater artists. And um, when I was just a baby, they founded Company of Fools in, in Richmond, Virginia, um, and then had an opportunity to um, move that company into the Liberty Theater in, in Haley. Um, and so when I was five, we took a leap of faith and. Packed everything up and drove across the country and set up shop, um, and I got to watch a theater company be built from the ground up. Um, I remember when the the Liberty was still being used to show movies, so we would split the time. I remember some of us would would still work the projector. <laughs> um, and show, you know, whatever second run movie we were doing at the time. Um, And then in the evening we would have um, rehearsal or, and you see the space start to transform and yeah, you see this little company start to build. And uh, yeah, the Liberty Theater was my other home. I spent more time in that building than I did in my house. Um, I remember my mom, Setting up a sleeping bag and a little TV in one of the dressing rooms, and um, I would I would hunker down for the night uh, during their shows, and I'd, I'd listen to them in the monitors, and yeah, and, and cool. keep
0: as quiet as possible. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> or they would make me like they would make me repeat lines as a kid that I didn't know what they meant. Um, so they'd have me quoting things from Sideman or, um, you know, I'd be seven years old telling people to keep it in their pants and, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, know? a theater kid growing up. <laughs> oh, thats I love that. That makes me so happy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, at, at 13, I think is when I worked my first show. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I started working crew, so I would work backstage for, for most of the shows and then um, was trained on our, our light board and our sound board. And um, I I worked most of the shows from when I was 13 until when I left for college. Um, and even then when I was home, I, I knew I had work. Um, whenever I was home, which was, yeah, I was never not there. So I never like worked retail (laughs) when I was growing up. I feel, yeah, really fortunate in that way. I, I don't think I ever had a normal job, even, yeah, I was always working at the theater. Um, And then when I graduated school, I immediately went into um, working. I did a six month tour with Virginia Rep. And then from there, I immediately went to work for a theater company in Colorado. And then, um, you know, it wasn't until I moved to Austin that I worked something else. But yeah, I've I've always been in a theater, Um, always, always.
0: That's it's, it's amazing, I mean having knowing your mom and having met your dad um I can only imagine that there was no other choice for you than to, they are passionate dedicated uh some might describe it as ethically obsessed theater artists uh <laughs> right
1: yes, yeah, i mean it it just you know when it it feels like home um. And it was always where I was happiest and most comfortable. And um, I, I remember feeling uh, really proud um, as I was being trained in, in various parts of um, of the theater. I I remember um, Ko, who uh, is our our stage manager at at Company of Fools. Um, she trained me and one of the first things she sort of made sure to tell me is that this is um there's a craft in this and respect it um so make sure you come to work uh with respect for the work that you're doing um and yeah, I, I always felt really proud to be learning what I was learning, and and took it really seriously. And <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you grow up with such a profound respect for something; it's it's not something you ever want to shake or, or run away from. You know,
0: right, right. I mean, it's it's such an interesting idea for me to sort of hear you say that you kind of grew up at the same time the theater grew up right like as you starting at five years old and the theater company had just sort of started and as you grew so did the theater grow you were there for you know all the bumps and bruises all the joys and all the tragedies all of that stuff just alongside your own growth as a person right
1: yeah absolutely um it's it's crazy too, because you know when you're when you're growing up, it all feels like it's taking forever. Um, time moves so slowly and gradually, and and I think I it's the same when you're watching a this little theater company grow up too. Um, you don't even notice that it's changing until you've taken some space from it and you come back and it's it's different. It's um, all grown up. <laughs> it's all
0: grown, all grown up. up. Yeah. yeah. What are you? What what kinds of things are you are you thinking in this time as you're pondering sort of your connection to the larger world and, you know, I, I mean all of the stuff that it's given us time to, uh, to consider. Are there things that are coming up for you, as you think about the future of Company of Fools and the future of the Liberty and the future of theater as an art form?
1: I guess I haven't. I don't know what it will will look like in terms of um, like logistically how theater might change, um, but I think the thing that will will always be true is this need to create and share the human experience, um, and as I I look at what's going on in the world right now and you know, we, we need it, (laughs) we need theater artists, I think more than ever right now, um, to start to share what we are all experiencing. Um, And uh, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. I've been thinking about what the content will look like. and what I don't know as people plan their seasons you know what what that might look like um tapping into I think what what we feel our our communities need mm-hmm. um yeah I don't know I, I don't know and that's that's. I've been thinking about that too I think um all of the unknown uh, which I think can can lend itself to uh, a very fearful place, but I don't think that it has to. I think the more um, the more we lean into this sort of open door, um, this unknown space it sure does leave a lot of room open to create. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if,
0: we don't, if we don't have to follow the rules quite as closely, there there's a lot more opportunity to sort of break the rules or bend them or come up with new rules, right?
1: Absolutely. Or the fact that like we are all forced right now to be still um, and to, in a way, be more present, I think, than we have, been asked to be, uh, I think most of us. Um, so many of us aren't able to uh, go to work, or um, I mean, we're all we're all kind of at home right now, um, and there's only so much you can do to to busy yourself, um, and so you you have to be. You have to be still. And I think in that stillness, you can start to really observe, I think. Um, and I'm so curious to see what what um, art comes from that, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, I think that's what I'm most excited about. Um,
0: yeah it's interesting. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of nights ago and and she was telling me that there's this enormous amount of pressure on professional theaters to go online, to create online content, to sort of do streaming work and you know all of that and she was saying to me, "Oh my god, I got I I was stuck at home for 2 weeks and I got all caught up in this drive to throw theater online, right? Just put as much stuff out as you can." And she said, you know, three or four nights ago, I just thought, you know what, actually, what I think we might want to be doing is is reading plays at home or 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 being thoughtful about what kinds of work we're going to want to produce when this is all over. And, yeah. you know, and sort of being caught up in the urgency of creating and the demand to sort of constantly be in front of people. Um, she was like, I, it was, there was just this profound moment where she said, I just stopped following the crowd right (laughs) just I wanted to sort of spend a few minutes thinking to myself well what do I want to do as a theater artist right now and her answer was I don't want to put anything on streaming services I don't want to try and force that square peg into that round hole I want to take a week and read some plays and think about what kinds of work I want to embrace when we're all out of this and I think um, you know very rarely do theater artists, as you well know, have a moment to take a break and to be thoughtful,
1: oh God, I know i that's so cool um that she's doing that. I am um, yeah, oh man, I, growing up, you know it's it's constant, it's go go, 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 go um and it's everyone wears a million hats, and there's never time. Um, you are always in a deficit of time. <laughs> right. Um, and, yeah, what a, what a very unique opportunity we have <laughs> to be, yeah, to think about what we want to create um, when this is over. Um, the and, and, yeah, to bring, I think, a new intentionality to to our work and, and what we want to share. Um, how cool that yeah. we have some yeah. time to, to do that.
0: Yeah, unfortunate, but uh, useful. <laughs>
1: so <it's>, yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, So w- what would you want, I mean, you are a beloved member of the Fool's family and have been since you were just a little kid. What would you want to say to our audiences or to theater audiences anywhere in, in the world who are listening to this? What, what words of wisdom or advice would you give to people who are pining for theater right now?
1: Hmm. Oh, I think. Well, I'll just say the things that have been helping me um, is to take deep breaths in my day, and and reach for um, reach for the artists that that bring me comfort um and bring me hope i've been reading a lot of mary oliver right now Mm. um and yeah i don't know um don't stop reaching for stories um make that movie list you've been saying you were gonna make forever and work your way through them um Read, 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 read. Um, there, this is this is going to end, you know. Um, and yeah, I'm so I'm so curious to see um, what theater is going to to adapt and shape to be. Um, But yeah, I say reach, reach for the art that you love right now. We need it.
0: I agree. I think you're real smart. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, It has been my great pleasure to talk with the loveliest of the fools, Russell Simone Wilson. Russell is an actor, a sound designer, just a Wonderful human being, an angel of goodness and light in the universe. Uh, she has uh, appeared in Circle Mirror Transformation, Ella Masenari Distracted and Almost Maine with Company of Fools. Her most recent accomplishments include writing letters to the moon and calling her mother. I'm Scott Palmer, I'm producing artistic director of Company of Fools. If you've enjoyed my conversation with Russell, please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform, or online at our parent organization, that's the Sun Valley Museum of Art, at their website at svmoa.org. And in the words of the wise, wise, wise Russell Simone Wilson, reach for the art. Thank you so much for joining me, Russell.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was so lovely.
0: Um, I'm going to go ahead and put a link to the... um, to your slam poetry uh website if you send it to me i'll put that on as a link on this podcast so people can find out when they can go watch you win the whole thing
1: in september does that sound like a good idea yeah
0: okay good that sounds great you'll send that to me and i'll post i'll post it on on uh, the podcast description you take care of yourself and keep reaching for the stories okay
1: thank you scott we'll talk to you
0: soon bye